Sadiq Bey has had a recent stretch that has helped him bounce back within his season. Should the Pistons feel more comfortable trading Jeremy Grant now or less comfortable trading Jeremy Grant? And is this stretch from Sadiq Bey sustainable throughout the rest of the season? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons Podcast. I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Pistons Podcast and making it your first listen of every single day. We are feeding available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check us out over on YouTube, at Locked On Pistons. Help us get even closer to 2,000 subscribers. I don't know when I want to mark like the the gold date by that. Uh, that's a lot of subscribers. Uh, I'd say just like you know maybe midway through next year we want to get to two thousand. Uh, I think we could do that. So make sure you go head over there, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of an update on myself. I know I told you guys last podcast that I had COVID. I wasn't feeling very good. Uh, I think you guys could probably hear my voice. I sound a little bit better uh, though. You could probably hear like the sniffles in it as well. Uh, I do feel better. I feel like I've moved on to like the cold version of it. Uh, my body's not as sore. I have a lot more energy. I just feel like I'm having a cold right now. So uh, I'm feeling better. I thank you guys for all you guys who reached out and, and you know, wish me and my fiance good, uh, the best of luck with it. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. So just want to update you guys real quick on that. But on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Sadiq Bey, who's had a really good last six games. I kind of was tweeting about it, and we're going to talk about in today's podcast how well he's been playing, uh, whether that should make the pisses more or less comfortable trading Jeremy Grant and where they should go from here on out with that whole trade thing and whether Sadiq Bay's stretch is sustainable for the rest of the season. And I brought a friend of the podcast on to talk about this with us. We have our friend, Hal Bridius, who is a host of the Busted Header podcast. Make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter at Hal Bridius. He does a great job film breaking down these games, even during the, the, the last few games where the Pistons have had nobody playing, basically just a bunch of pickup guys. He's, he's tortured himself and, and, and done some breakdowns. So, uh, we're we're happy to have him on here. How how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. I skipped the last two. I sk- I didn't clip them. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to anybody. <laughs> there was no way you were gonna get me to clip the G League games. Uh, fair enough. The ones before that, we've we've suffered through. Fair enough. Fair enough. I the G League. I already told everybody the G League games. It was. I watched the first half of the Spurs game and peace out after that one. So uh, it just it just they're not gonna get me too much longer with this. It just won't happen. Look, but, those Davida Servitas minutes didn't get you going. Come on, I saw they, I saw they got you going a little bit. I saw you tweeting about him a little bit that you, you see an NBA player in there somewhere. I, see I love you. me some Dave. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. We're not going to spend too much time talking about Dave because he may be gone again in eight days, and who knows what what they what they got going with him. But let's talk about Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, how me and you, I feel like have been more more so on the same same thinking with Sadiq Bay this season uh, throughout the off season as well. Uh, I've been fans like to call me a hater throughout the off season, but you know, I guess I could go ahead and say I've been one of his biggest critiques. I guess I don't really like calling myself that, but I guess I'll accept that role. Uh, and he's had a really bad, I, I think a really bad second season. I think it would be fair to say he was shooting 36% from the field, 30% from deep. Uh, he was really struggling at just about everything on the floor. He was passing it open threes. It was just really bad. Excuse me. It was really bad just to see him play. Because it looked like he had just regressed in multiple areas, and it was sad at one point to watch it from my perspective. Him passing up open threes does not look anything like the player we saw from his rookie season. 
Then Jeremy Grant goes down. And to add on to that, after, like, I think it was two or three games, Kay Cunningham gets entered into health and safety protocols. Then Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, Josh Jackson, Corey Joseph, damn near the entire team gets entered into health and safety protocols. And now Sadiq Bey is not only operating, he got a few games to operate without Jeremy Grant, but now he's operating without all those guys. And, you know, there, there was two ways that could have went. Uh, I had Bryce, the host of Motor City Hoops podcast, on last week before this happened and said, you know, there's two ways that this could go. Either Sadiq could revert to old habits and force too much, and, you know, it could it could really go bad for him, and he starts trying to do too much isolation, all these kind of things. It could really go bad, or he could respond well to the added responsibilities and end up playing really well and, and, and showing the Pistons something. And I think we've seen that from him, this, the second part, which is which is good to see. So, over the last six games, he's scoring 23 points a game, 7.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field. 35% from deep on eight attempts a game. And this is something we're eventually getting into. I'm assuming both of us are going to bring this up, but he's shooting 92.5% from the free throw line on six and a half or 6.7 attempts per game. Uh, I believe the true shooting percentage was at 61% over the last six games as well. Uh, Hal, what have you seen from Sadiq over the last six games? Do you just, what, what, what have you liked the most from him over the last six games? Well, I think we talked about it, you know, a bit before because you keep bringing me on for Sadiq stuff you know I feel like I'm getting targeted here a little bit uh but we've (laughs) talked before about you know he was doing a lot with the ball in his hands and not a lot of it was like scripted not a lot of it was productive frankly right it was just a lot of wandering around a lot of three four dribble uh actions and I think he's really trimmed you know the fat out of the game um you know, it just seems like he's being more decisive. He's getting to the rim, getting closer to the rim, fewer mid-range pull-ups, taking more threes, being a little more aggressive on threes. Um, you know, and just, I think he has found his role again. And even though, like, I don't think the three-point shot has come around basically at all for him, it's still one of those things where he seems to be trusting in his three a little bit more. I think he's put it, putting up, um, I think one and a half more threes a game right now, something like that. So just, I think all in all, a lot of little things are combining to make him look like a significantly better player the last couple of games. And, it, you know, we do have to add the caveat that the Pistons have played some uh, G League teams themselves, but it's still, it's still been very noticeable. Yeah, I think one of the things you said, I really liked how you said it, it trimming the fat out of a lot of his, a lot of what he was doing beforehand. Uh, he's not – He's basically when Hal says that, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you guys may not know what that means, but I really like what you said there, Hal. I'll appreciate it. I'll give you credit for it. Uh, but basically, uh, he's not He's not making things harder on himself. He's making it easier on himself. He's not out there taking like eight dribble isolations like Hal was bringing up. Uh, he's not taking long twos. Make Overall, just not making the game harder on himself and, and taking what's there for him and, 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 and making it – actually, I said, said this on a, a few podcasts ago. He's being a lot more decisive with the ball in his hands. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and, and I think it's obviously it's translated to good basketball from him. Uh, again, he's shooting, tw- he's scoring 23 points a game on near 45% from the field, 35% from deep. But I really like the fact that he's getting to the free throw line a ton. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with like what you said. He's not taking as many mid rangers or these step back middies that he was taking or the post fadeaways or the, all, all of those things. He's more so getting to the basket and forcing contact on his drives. Now, I'll say this right here. This may sound like a hater, but this is just me simply like observing it. This is like, I hope he keeps doing it because he's getting away with it. 
but it, I'm not gonna lie. It seems like in some of his drive, he really does be like offensive following people. Like he just takes his forearm and just like shoves them out the way. It's working. It's working. I hope he keeps doing it because it works. I hope he keeps doing it. But I'm sure defenders get pretty pissed off when he does it. Uh, but he's drawing free throws doing it. He'd getting, I mean, we, we're looking at his free throw attempts over the last few games. We've seen one game, he had 10 free throws. This last game against the Spurs, he had 14 free throws. A game against Indiana, he had seven free throws. Uh, and he's making them. So I think that's a, a recipe for success for him, just shooting more threes, being more aggressive with his threes, and trying to get to the free throw line more, getting down there, getting physical. He's a strong dude. It's hard to stop him. You have to get physical with him to stop him. And he's going to draw fouls. So I think he's finding a little bit of a recipe for success, and I hope this – is something he continues to do throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he's going up a lot stronger. Just you, you said it before, being decisive. And I think part of that is we're used to seeing him uh, get into the paint, get into the, the lane, and then like do those like turnarounds, you know, and shoot fadeaways, yep. you know, and he gets, he gets uncomfortable in those spaces. And I think the last couple of games, we've really seen him just get in there and go straight up to the rim, even if it's not the cleanest look. And he's getting the contact there. And, you know, that's that's some of the fat he's trimming out is those those kind of turnaround, uh, you know, 12-footers. Those are going to be good shots. And they're definitely not good shots when you're someone like Sadiq and you don't have a lot of lift in your jumper, et cetera. You know, he, like you, you imagine uh, a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan shooting those shots, right? And they're, they're taking big jumps as they turn around. That's just not in Sadiq's game. And so for him to just get in there, quickly get up, uh, you know, challenge people a little bit. I think we're seeing him rebound a little more aggressively, um, sometimes off his own misses. You know, he's just being a little more welcoming of of the contact, and I think we're we're reaping the benefits. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we come back from the ad break. We'll talk about whether this is sustainable for Sadiq. Can he continue to do this for the rest of the season, or are we seeing a little bit of a high point and should expect some regression to the mean a little bit? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about some of our sponsors. First up, let me tell you a little bit about Truebill. Do you know why free trials be new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your online subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concert is there when you need them to cancel online subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for the subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. I'd really appreciate it. Again, I'm going to give you guys credit until the end of the year. Our goal was to get to 1,000 by the end of the year, and we did it with like 16 days ago. So I appreciate you guys for being the best fan base at the Lockdown Network, helping us get over there to 1,000 subscribers. I really appreciate it. But let's now try to get to 2,000 by like midway through next year. That would be really dope as well. Uh, but let's continue the conversation how with Sadiq Bey. Uh, I'll let you go first here since I, th- I think I pretty much went first and talked a lot in that first segment. Um, do you think that this is sustainable at all for Sadiq, what, what we're seeing from Sadiq over this last six-game stretch? Oh, I, I think so. I mean, this is 
the stuff that you and I said earlier we wanted to see, right? This is what we asked for before. So I, I think it would be hypocritical now to say that, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't right. Um, you know, taking open looks, one, two dribble moves into pull-ups. Um, I think we're seeing, we, we've seen a little bit the, the vision, you know, the playmaking vision and, um, you know, at least his ability to make, would call like escape passes right you're in the lane you're you're, you know it's too crowded maybe he didn't intend to go down there and and make a play but he's starting to like okay maybe if i kick it out maybe i can find somebody kind of thing that stuff's coming to him i think that's all pretty sustainable that's all uh the stuff you would expect from a sophomore you know in in his second year of of growth in the nba so i i I do think that's good i do think we are seeing some benefits benefits from him playing um up a position, right? He's playing a little bit more of the four, a little bit more three than he was before. Sometimes he was stuck at the two. Um, I think those matchups are helping him. Um, I think he's pretty willing to handle, or or I shouldn't say willing. I think he's still a little nervous around physicality, but I think he's he's more equipped to handle physicality from a four than he is speed from a two. Um, you know, so I think I think that may be something we'll talk about in a minute here, but the. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything about this that says this is a problem compared to where we were, you know, a couple of weeks ago where you and I were both looking at what he was doing going, wow, this is a problem. And I don't know where this is this is going. This is definitely a, a much more positive step. Yeah. And, and when you say that it's sustainable, I, I think me and you both are. Well, I, first of all, I agree that's sustainable. But when we say that, I think me and you both agree that we're not talking about 23 points a game is sustainable. We're not talking about that. Uh, it doesn't have to be 23 points a game. I said this on a few podcasts ago. Um it, it could be around 15 points, 15 to 18 points a game, 13 to 18 points a game. Like, it doesn't have to be 20 points per game scoring. It's about how he's getting there and what he's doing, how efficient he's doing it, and the decisions he's making. Like, again, I want to go back to this. And, again, this is this is the most impressive part of it to me over his last six-game stretch is how he's getting to the free throw line. He's being extremely physical, getting to the rim. And I think the reason why that sticks out to me the most, Hal, is because – I mean, I, I think we just keep going back to, like you said, trimming the fat off of it because what my biggest pet peeve with him, and it seems like there was a lot of Pistons, specifically Jeremy Grant who was doing this, but the, the long twos, the contested twos, that just really they they don't have that in their game. They're not that good at them, uh, and they continue to take them over and over. I hated seeing him take those, and it just didn't feel like it was very – it didn't seem like it was a recipe for success for Sadiq. And he has cut those out over the last six games, and he's getting to the free throw line. He's being physical around there. He's not shying away from contact. He's openly accepting contact, and most of the time he's initiating the contact and getting free throws. Uh, so I think that's the that's the part that I really like to see from him the most, uh, and that, and that's what makes me makes me the most happy. And I think it can be sustainable because uh, that, like you said, that was something that I wanted to see from him. Like this, this is why I wanted to see from him in the off season. This is why I wanted to see him work on. Not the I didn't care for the dribble pull ups or the you know can you do you have stuff in your bag to give me an isolation of you know, five seconds long and, and break somebody's ankles. I, I, that's not what I wanted to see from Sadiq. What I wanted to see from him was him be decisive. If the over and three is there, take it. If guy's giving you any kind of space, launch it. And he's been doing that over the last few games too. He's If you give him any kind of space, he's been letting it go. Before, he was passing up open threes, let alone ones with guys just simply not having a hand up. We're talking about wide open threes he was passing up. So now we're seeing him let it go if you don't have a hand up, letting it go quickly. And if you are closing out at all, He's being very decisive of what he wants to do. He's not taking long, drawn-out isos. He's getting to the rim, and he's – what I want to hope is I hope that he's taking the first 20 games as a learning experience to know, you know, he, he's to get better from it. Not that 
you know, I shouldn't take this pull up. Maybe I should try to get to the rim now. And now that he's seen success doing this, hopefully this is something he he's learned and realizes that this is a recipe for, for success for himself. Instead of taking those middies, continue to work yourself all the way to the basket, draw free throws, uh, shoot from beyond the arc, get to the basket, draw free throws. Uh, I think that would be a recipe for success for him for the rest of the year, I think for the rest of his career. Uh, and if he wants to add little things onto that after that, go ahead. But I think you have to – you have to perfect your craft in those areas first before you want to start adding in those things we saw in the first 20 games. I'm happy to see this from him. I do think it's sustainable if he chooses for it. He has to choose to continue to play this way, I think. Yeah, I think I think one of the, the terms I'd like to use is scalable, right? When we talk about sustainable, um, someone like Cade Cunningham, every touch he gets throughout a game is a touch where he's making a decision and he's going to learn from a decision one time they cover it you know the defense covers it one way and he remembers it the next time and he'll put, make a different play that time you know his game scales with touches right the more the more touches he gets the more information he gets the better Cade is going to play that's that's why he's you know such a, a prized player for Sadiq it's the opposite right he scales well because he should be making basically the same decisions every play right he should be making the same read when I catch the ball how are they closing out? Are they closing out? No, I'm going to shoot. If they're closing out, I need to attack to my strong hand if I can. Each of those you know, decisions are going to come in a tree for him and just A, B, C, D, he needs to be progressing through those. And because of that, um, he should be the same player he is when he's taking you know, 15 shots as he is when he's taking six shots. That's the hope. And because of that, when we say this is sustainable, I think this is because I think he can do the same thing he's doing now with, uh, what is it, like 14, 15 shots a game right now. I think he can do the same things on seven shots a game, if that's what he's asked to do. I think he can do the same thing on 12 shots a game, if that's what he has to do. Um, because that's kind of how his game scales. And I don't think he needs... Uh, you know, he, he was playing before like a guy who needed shots and who needed touches in order to like, and that's not what you hope for uh long-term from Sadiq. So I think that's where this is really good is we're starting to see him be consistent and be, uh, be decisive in that consistency. Let me ask you a question real quick. How, where'd you come up with that right there? I, I made that up while you were talking. Now, that right there might be one of the best points ever made on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I'm not going to lie. Why, thank you. Like that scale, that right there, like what we've been talking about, you could have summed it all up into just like what you said right there. That was a, a tremendous point. I'm not, I'm not even trolling. That was like, I got to give you credit right there on that one, man. I got to give you credit. I'll give you a little, thank you. A little fist bump through, <laughs> the, through the screen real quick for that one. That one was dope. But I, I completely agree with what Hal said right there. Like legit, that was a great way of putting it. Uh, someone like Kay Cunningham and even – no, that's, you know, I'm not even going to try to add on to it. I'm going to leave it where you had it because what you said right there was perfect. So we'll leave it there. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about should this, for the way Sadiq has been playing, should the Pistons feel more comfortable now moving on from Jeremy Grant? Should they want to keep Jeremy Grant? Uh, maybe maybe they think they could put it together. Just where do you stand on it? We'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, but first, I have to tell you guys about a little bit more of our sponsors. First up, let me tell you a little bit about Line. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. 
BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. So head to their website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. Then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bars in your plan. Boot Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Boot Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Boot Bar actually tastes good. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's all the chocolate at? Well, Boot Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Boot Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea. For the new year, go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary and calorie-filled treats and replace them with built bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, which is my favorite, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so go check out Built.com often to see what's new. So make sure you go check out Built.com, use our promo code, and get 15% off your order. Our promo code, LOCK15. 15% off at built.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. Hal, I can see your face. Uh, th- those are those uh, some some pretty lengthy ads, man. That, 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 took me, that took me a minute to get through all those. <laughs> They're kicking your butt a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we'll, blame are, it on, we'll blame it on the COVID, though, all right? Yes, yes, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. I'm not gonna lie, I'm, a little, I'm sweating over here a little bit. You know, they they got me there. I think I, I'm gonna blame it on the COVID as well. Actually, take it, take it for a second. I'm gonna take a drink of water real quick. <laughs> symptoms include fever, stumbling over your words, cold-like <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> they'll forgive me. They'll forgive me. Uh, but let's go ahead and get back back into the conversation, man. So, Jeremy Grant has been out for a was it two weeks now? Um, he's out with that thumb injury. He's obviously been involved in trade discussions, trade rumors. Uh, it sounds like the Pistons are going to trade him. Um, first off, Hal, let me just get a quick yes or no question from you here. Do the Pistons trade him, in your opinion, by the trade deadline? I hope so. <laughs> I'm not. I'm never going to pretend like I know what's going through Troy Weaver's head, man. That that dude is just all surprises. <laughs> Uh, the injury definitely so. throws a wrench into things, but I I have said for a long time that the uh, the right path to team building is to capitalize on assets like Jeremy Grant at times like this when he's got I think right around his peak value 
uh, as a trade asset. So um, I think it's just the healthiest thing for the long term, um, you know, building of a team to to make moves now. I I agree with you with that. But let's take it into a different direction here. Do, does Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant fit together? And I feel like that was a conversation that was even being had before Jeremy Grant got hurt because there were so many players in the starting lineup that were trying to do stuff with the ball in their hands. Now, I mentioned that I didn't want to see Sadiq do as much with the ball in his hands. I didn't want to see Jeremy do as much with the ball in their hands. But it just didn't look like the starting lineup. I mean, the team wasn't working in general. But that starting lineup wasn't working that much as well either. So before I, I toss this over to you, Hal, I just want to throw this stat out there to you. Out of all duos on the Detroit Pistons with Sadiq Bay involved in it, who do you think ha- is the worst duo on the team? I'm, I'm going to throw out there that it's Sadiq and Jeremy Grant. There you go. There you go. And you'd be correct. <laughs> if, do you have that number in front of you already? No, but, uh, you know, the uh, leading questions, maybe. I, no, no, no. I, I, I'm asking that because I was going to then ask you what, do you, what is their net rating if you had to take a guess on the floor together? Uh, minus twenty five ish. It's bad. I know it's. I know it's really bad. <laughs> Come on, Al. Minus, minus twenty five would be pretty, pretty hysterical. That would be. That would be pretty crazy. They've been horrible. Now that's fair. It, they have been bad. It hasn't been minus twenty five bad. No, but they've they've been pretty bad. They have a minus eight point seven net rating on the floor together. That's just about two points worse. Then the next duo with Sadiq Bay that's uh, that's uh, uh, played with him, that's Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay. They're sitting there at minus 6.8. Then you have Isaiah Stewart with them, minus 6.5. Kay Cunningham, minus 5.4. So all of that, I, I checked the rest of those after Jeremy Grant, basically to the team being so bad that they're just not they're not going to have many positive lineups. Like, does Sadiq even have a positive lineup? Yeah, he has not one many. positive lineup. He has one with Trey Lyles. That's it. And they play eight minutes a game together. That's the only positive lineup he has. And they're not even positive, really. They're just even. They're at 0.0. So <laughs> they're, they're, they're right there. Um, so now that I read those numbers for you, Hal, do you believe that Sadiq and Jeremy fit together? And do you believe that the way Sadiq has played with Jeremy out and him playing at the four, do we see that this may be the way to unlock Sadiq and they're better off with Jeremy off the team just in general and putting Sadiq where he's at now at the four? So I've, I've got some stats for you. All right. Oh, Last there you go. 15 games, which includes, uh, I think that'd be what, eight games with uh, Jeremy and seven without, I think. So in those games, with both of them on the floor, the Pistons are a minus 28 net rating. <laughs> My God. I see why you said minus 25. Right? <laughs> God. And with both of them, uh, without Jeremy, the Pistons uh, with Bay on the floor, minus 3.8. Without Bay, but with Jeremy, a plus fourteen. So together, they're definitely, and that's only the last fifteen games. So that includes some stuff without him. Um, but just to put it in perspective, like we're talking about two players who both have uh, a sub fifteen percent assist percentage. So they don't generate a lot of assists. They're not really ball movers. They're what I would call terminal players. The play ends with them most of the time. And you can survive one of those guys. You can maybe survive two of those guys if they're both pretty efficient and you have like one heliocentric guy uh, anchoring your offense. We're talking about two of those guys plus Isaiah Stewart 
Plus, neither Kojo nor Killian Hayes or anyone that's playing the point outside of Cade is really that big a threat. You know, you're just like, you're adding all these terminal players together and you end up with a, a pretty distinct lack of ball movement. And I don't think that improves when they're playing together. I don't see a pathway for either of them to become that kind of player, right? Or, or to change that. You know, Tobias Harris is the guy I always think of um, in that regard, where Tobias is a great player, but he's also another guy who's got an assist percentage of like 12%, just like for his whole career. You give the ball to Tobias, uh, and you hope you've created an advantage for him because he's going to try and score the ball. That's what he wants to do. And again, I think you can get away with one, maybe two, but when you start stacking them up, it's a problem. And these two really mesh. Uh, I think defensively, they, they don't really mesh that well either. So I'm not a huge fan of them as a pairing at your, you know, especially as a three and a four uh, together. No. Yeah. Just to, just to buffer your point real quick. Like you said, you can maybe get away with two of them if they're really good at what they do. They they haven't been really good. So now you got two of them and they're not no. very good at it. And it's just like, what, what's going on here? But before we even move on with this topic, I need you to say that number again. Please, please tell all of our listeners that number again. Because that right there, that that's that's rough. <laughs> that's pretty damn bad. In, in the last 15 games, which included, I think, eight games with them together on the floor, they were minus 28. Oh, God. <laughs> that's tough, bro. Oh, my God. Minus yeah. 28? Yeah. Like, that's I, – I, I – is there? I'd like to. We we should. I might go look at this after the package. But is it like another duo that would have a worse net rating than that? In those, I don't want to like, know. God, <laughs> I don't want to know. Oh God, that's tough. But uh, yeah, even before I saw that number, I was of the opinion that one of them had to go. But after hearing that, I'm, <laughs> I it's almost a hundred percent sure of it. But yeah, I I completely agree with you. They, they're too much of the same player in that in that respect. Uh, the Pistons lacked ball movement when them, they were both on the floor, even before uh, uh, Kay Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, all these guys wanted to help them safety protocols. They were, I thought the ball was moving a lot better. I thought the offense looked smoother. Maybe they didn't look, maybe they weren't a better team. I mean, maybe they are, who knows? I think it's even an argument for that. Uh, but the, the offense looked smoother. Like it looked more fun to watch. It looked like it was more uh, cohesive. I feel like that probably is the best word with Jeremy off the floor. I'm sure it probably would have, if like Sadiq was the one who got hurt or something, he was the one out. It might have looked even more cohesive with Jeremy and not Sadiq on the floor. Uh, but one of them, uh, having both of them, it just, I think you've seen that it's just not going to work. Uh, it's, it's not a recipe for success. Minus 28. That's, 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 I think that speaks volumes. That, that's enough right there. And if you have to choose one, you're in a rebuild. You're not picking the 20, what is he, 22 year old uh, guy you just drafted last year. You're going to pick the guy with as peak value that multiple contenders want, that multiple contenders will pay up for, uh, and doesn't really fit your timeline right now. So, I, I think that makes it clear. I think Sadiq Bay. Do you? I'll say this. I think Sadiq Bay's recent stretch has made it more comfortable. It should make them feel more comfortable making that move. Do you? Do you think that his recent play should make them feel more comfortable, or they shouldn't really care about his recent play? They should be making this move nonetheless. I think it might. Just because, like, you you don't want to make a move, um, especially if you don't, you know, if you're talking to people and the return you're going to get for Jeremy Grant doesn't just, like, plug the hole, you know, by itself. You know, you don't get that replacement player. 
nervousness that like, oh God, what if we're, you know, even worse because we've traded him? Maybe it's better in the long run for your team building, but you know, you've still got to play 40 games where, you know, you're, you're going to be even worse than you're already historically bad. So there's, there's that, but I don't think when you're considering that long-term strategy, I don't think you should be caring one way or another. Uh, you got to look at it as Jeremy Grant's, you know, at, at, like I said before, he's at the peak of his value. Um, he's going to be eligible for an extension. So if you, if you keep him, um, you know, you're basically saying, I want to keep him long-term. And then you're looking at, well, I got to tie up my cap and signing him to a, a bigger deal pretty soon. Um, you know, so there's definitely some risk involved there as well. So I, you know, it, it probably does make you feel a little more comfortable, but that's, that level of comfort about what, what the next game is going to look like shouldn't be what's influencing your decision-making about what the next couple seasons look like. Fair enough. Good point. And we're reaching the end of the podcast. I don't want to go too much longer. So Hal, I'm just going to ask you two quick questions here. I want to pick your brain on real quick. Uh, Jer- they're both about Jeremy Grant real quick. So it's going to be kind of like quick takes. First, I think before the season, people thought that Jeremy Grant was more likely to get extension than trade. I mean, you saw that in the athletic article by James Edwards. Uh, he said before the season it was more likely that he gets an extension. Now, do you think the the Pistons lucking into the number one overall pick and getting Kay Cunningham and speeding up the pro- – do you think that changed anything or, or changed the way? Because Jeremy came to the, the Pistons as of right now, for like the next for this year, next year. I mean, it seemed like that he came to like have the role of the guy. I don't think anyone in the Pistons and anyone Jeremy Grant expected all of a sudden Kay Cunningham's here now. Now Kay Cunningham's the focus and he's the face of the franchise like like that. Like eventually – they were going to move down the picking order, but I don't think they any party really expected it to happen like instantly. Do you think that kind of changed how we're looking at things now and, and the whole Jamie Grant situation? I think the, the three-year contract made it pretty clear that a decision had to be made either this deadline or this summer, one way or the other. You know, that's just the, the timeline of the contract. Getting Cade definitely helps, but um, I think they knew or expected that they were going to be getting a, a pretty good pick regardless. And you have to hope that you're going to get it, you know, get the draft right and, and plan on that. All right, fair enough. And then the last question, we'll wrap up the podcast. We all know the reasons why Jeremy Grant came to Detroit, all the off-court reasons, all the good things he's done in the community. He's even making, I believe he's creating a homeless shelter right now in the city. Uh, he's, he's been great in the community and all the things that have been talked about off the court and, and player um, uh, player relationship-wise between him and, and, and the GM, uh, why he came to Detroit. Do you think possibly trading him would hurt the Pistons in that area? Because uh, I know th- this has been an argument that's kind of being had amongst fans that, you know, he wants to be here. This guy is is investing in the city, you know, it, all those kind of things. If you trade him, does it look bad on your front office that, you know, you basically got rid of a guy who wanted to be here, you brought him here, he bought into it and bought into your city, and now you're moving him a year later. Do you worry about that at all? Or do you think that's not not too big of an issue? I think you need to send him to a destination that that makes sense for him, right? You send him to somebody who's actually contending. Don't you know just pawn him off on another tanking team, right? You send him to the Rockets. That's that's mean. Um, I do also think that like he's already sent the message about what he wants to see by signing here, right? The message is clear that when you sign, you know, black front office members, it's gonna it's gonna draw players to you. I think that I think that. Um, I think that he made a statement by doing that. And I don't necessarily think that that means he like can't work with a white GM. <laughs> you know, I also think that like 
yes, he's working in Detroit, but if he's if he's doing work in Detroit and he just gives up on it because he's moved somewhere else, that says more about Jeremy than it does about anything else because you know, it doesn't matter where you're 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 doing that work. It's helping somebody, right? So if if you're helping somebody who's you know happens to be a couple hundred miles away from you all of a sudden, you're still helping people. That shouldn't change anything. I hope that doesn't change his his attachment to the work he's he'd be doing. All right, fair enough. We'll wrap up the podcast there. I think me and Hal wrapped up pretty quickly for how we usually go. Hal, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you and your stuff. Hal Bridius, it's spelled out for you on the stream if you follow along on YouTube. And you can find the Busted Header on the uh, podcast platforms of your choice. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you coming on kind of last second. I I notified you like two hours ago before we started recording to come on, and you you were all up for it. All good. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're obviously free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you guys head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you guys make Lockdown Bets your second listen of every day, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. And until the next podcast, I'll see you guys later. Let me know what you guys think about the podcast, what we talked about with Sadiq Bay in the comment section down below. Send me some more trade, uh, trade packages with Jeremy Graham. I'm interested in seeing those. Based off what Hal just said, I don't think we should be wanting to send uh, Jimmy Grant to Indiana, I guess. So maybe don't do that. Uh, maybe we should take those without the deal. <laughs> unless unless, <laughs> unless it's a three-team trade and you're trading them to a contender. But let's let's stop all the to Indiana stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> until the next podcast, I'll see you guys later, man. Stay safe out there and go Pistons.